Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, lottie dotty. Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EBT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. The East Village Times podcast is sponsored by Original Grain Watches. Uh, for a limited time, they're offering a promotion code for us, for all of our listeners. Uh, EBT15 is the promotional code, and that will give, give you 15% off uh, their entire uh, inventory. So check it out. Originalgrain.com is the site. Uh, they make some beautiful watches. Local company based out of San Diego. Uh, check them out. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark. And with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? Uh, late night podcast this evening. Nothing much. I was back at work today. So a little sad, but you know, that's life. Yep. No, no Padre baseball to get you through the day either. I don't know if that gets me through the day most days. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. There, that minor league always... baseball, though, that gets me through yeah, the day. Yeah, there days. you go. There's always minor league games going on, so. Yeah, like I said, I've said before, I think I've watched more uh, Missions and Chihuahuas games than I have Padres games this year. I mean, I've probably watched more uh, Tin Caps games than Padres games this year. So. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that everybody's going to be glued to the television or to their iPad or their device tomorrow to try to watch uh, Tatis in his first at-bat Uh Hopefully his first at bat in a missions uniform. We'll we'll see if uh, if he's in the lineup. But I I wouldn't imagine they promote him not to. But uh, you know we'll we'll get into Tatis a little later. That's a that's a definitely a topic we're going to hit on. But let's uh, let's first start out by talking a little Padre baseball, the major league roster and the major league team. Um, they're on the road in St. Louis right now, about ready to take on a uh, the Cardinals in a three game series, I believe. Uh, sitting 14 games under 500, uh, about seventh or eighth in, in from the bottom in standings. Uh, is the tank talk done, or or, or what, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I've seen from quite a few people like starting to discuss whether the tank is now over. That the Potters are no longer the worst team in the league. And before the season, I think many people thought they'd lose at least 100 and easily be a, a top pick but at this point it's looking more and more like they're not going to be even a top five pick maybe um mm-hmm. i mean they're obviously still within striking distance but i think they're a good nine or ten back of the phillies for the number one spot so that's quite a bit of ground to make up in the next what 30 ish games 40 games um so yeah i don't think you can really say the tank is over because th- to me that implies this team's gonna start being competitive and start turning the corner. I just don't see next year the team being any good. I don't really see them being great in 2019. I mean, there's just so many parts that they're still missing. I mean, you look up and down the roster, and it's like, where is that talent going to come from? I mean, sure, you got a lot of d- good double-A pitchers that maybe could be here by 2019 or even next year, but outside of that, I just don't see it. I mean, Fernando Tatis has been great to watch, but is he a guy who's going to be moving that fast? I don't know. Uh, Luis Sirius is going to be probably ready in 2019 as well, but... Outside of those two guys, there's just not any position player prospects that really stand out that you can 
really look at and say that's going to be a leader of this team going forward. And sure, Manny Margot's there, and Hedges is there, and Renfro was there, and Myers, who knows with Myers. I mean, there's just so many question marks that I don't think you can really say that the tank's done and that it's now time for this team to move forward. Like, I don't see them going out in the free agent market this offseason and making moves. I mean, I think it was... Um, what podcast was this? I think it was the uh, Make the Padres Great Again podcast. Uh, Craig Elston, John Gennaro. They talked about like signing Mike Mustakas this offseason. It's like... Well, come on. What's the point in that? Yeah, first off, I mean, I, I think that's an overrated player. He's kind of... Yeah, he hits home runs. But, I mean, is that really a piece that's going to matter in the long run with this team? No. I mean, sure, he takes up space no. and he's a decent player, but... I just don't think it's time to start making those big moves. I don't think it's time to start trading some of these pitching prospects for position players. I think that's a decision that's still at least two years away. So I don't think the tank's finished. I think this team could still be a bottom feeder next year, realistically, if they don't really make any moves in the offseason. I mean, if they stick with this roster and maybe even have more Rule 5 guys, who knows um, how the Rule 5 draft's going to go next year. You've obviously seen that it's a strategy. I mean, they drafted, what, three guys – uh, last year, obviously only Perdomo made it, and now they've got three guys who have all made it um, through almost all of August. So next year they might continue with that strategy and continue to house some rookies on the team as well. So you look at the roster, and I think it's pretty easy to see this team being bad next year, barring some huge seasons from some young guys, some breakouts. But I don't think we can really count on that. So yeah, I don't know what your well, thoughts are in the tank, but I just don't think it's really over at this point. Well, the take isn't over. It's it's not over. The, the Padres still have six games against the Dodgers, six against the Rockies, six against Arizona, six against St. Louis, who typically beat up on the Padres. So that's 24 games right there. You know, there's some games against the Giants and, and a series against the um, Marlins, uh, as well as the Twins. But the majority of the, their opponents are above-average teams. So at this point, I can see this team falling into a top-five pick. It, you know, and hopefully doing it gracefully at the same time and still cultivating the the the, the younger players, and that's what we're going to focus on, and that's what the the team is focused on is, is making Austin Hedges better, making uh, uh, Manuel Margot better, making even a Hunter Renfro better. If that means going down to AAA and then being recalled in September and and having a a positive last thirty days of of his uh, 2017 season, it, it's about progression. Um, now, as, as far as like signing Mike Moustakas, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, the guy's going to be – he's 29. He'll be 29 next year. Uh, yes, he's having a great season. Yes, the team does need left-handed power. But uh, at this point, we already have Spangenberg at third. We have Solarte at third. We have a mess at second base. Uh, adding a, a veteran-type player like that who's probably overvalued, in, in all honesty, just is, 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 is an old Padre move. That's that's what the old team would do. And, and this team isn't about that. It's about trusting the process and, and developing young players and, and making a key trade here and there if, if, if it benefits the team. And I think that's what the goal is for the next uh, 6 to, to 12 months. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it again before on the, on the podcast about this team possibly competing next season or 2019 or 2020 or, or what the goal is. And, and I don't think anyone really knows at this point. It's just about progression. But the fact that you have players like uh, Cal Quantrill, Eric Lauer, Fernando Tatis, who are in their first full season of professional baseball and they're already at the double-A level, it, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting to see what, uh, what the next 12 months to, to two years of, of the – of this team is going to be because it's 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 not set. No one no one knows. 
players and prospects come out of nowhere. I mean, look at Michelle Bias come out of nowhere, basically, to become uh, a, a top five, top ten prospect on the team. There's, you know, these young guys can develop out of nowhere, and, and they can also regress out of nowhere. And, and we're just going to have to play it by ear. But uh, the tank talk, the tank talk is not going to be over. I, I would imagine there's going to be a rough stretch for this team uh, in, in the next couple weeks. Um, you know, they have. Uh, let me see. Looking at the standings, they have six out of their next uh, nine games against Miami and San Francisco. So they could they could get uh, get a little better as far as uh, as far as uh, the standings are concerned. But the last month of September is is really rough. They 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 finish on the road. They have some tough road games, and those games against the Dodgers and the Cardinals and and the Diamondbacks and, and Rockies are going to be tough tough wins, especially when three. Well, actually, all four of those teams are going to be competing for for a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, they have a really tough schedule rest of season, so I think it's very realistic that they could kind of fall apart a bit here. I mean, it depends on how some of these guys play. But I also yeah. want to make the point that a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, the draft doesn't matter anyway. And if you get a top 10 pick, it's irrelevant. I mean, if you know, a first pick and a seventh pick is a big difference. But I kind of disagree with that. I mean, it's been shown that the higher the draft pick, the better the end result. And I mean... If you look at just this year, we drafted Mackenzie Gore third overall, and if you look at like later in the later in the top ten, I mean, you have Austin Beck, Pavin Smith, Adam Hazley, and none of those guys really seem to have the impact ability that Gore does. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't really compare a third pick and a seventh pick, or even a fourth pick and a seventh pick. I mean, there is a difference from each spot, and I think you want to obviously maximize that value. And saying, oh, a fifth pick is good enough, I, I just don't agree with that sentiment. I think if you're going to lose, you better you might as well just lose hard and, and go all the way. So I don't like the talk that the Padres are fine where they're at and the, the pick is good enough. I, I just don't really agree with that sentiment, especially when your division rival, who was supposed to be a good team this year, is, is tanking better than you and somehow. Uh, and it's like, do the Giants really need another top pick? Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. their, their farm system is obviously pretty terrible, but they still have enough talent on the big league roster that you really don't want them getting any more talent if possible. So Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to the end of September, there's going to be a matter of, of a couple of games that, that separate, uh, you know, four, five, six picks probably. And, and you're right. At this point, win or, winning or losing two or winning two or three extra games is irrelevant if, if it means dropping four or five spots in, in the draft board. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see this team win 70 games if it means a ninth pick instead of a third pick. I mean, exactly, exactly. At this point, just maximize the value. And, and it also gives you a choice of players. If you really like a guy that maybe some other teams don't, you can you can pick that guy when maybe he wouldn't be there otherwise if you were a, a lower slot. So I think it, it makes sense to, to have that option and to give yourself uh, every possibility to get the best player and the player you really want. Yes, for sure. And, and you know, that, 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 that end of uh, end of uh, the schedules is is going to be rough, and, and you know closing out to, in San Francisco and L.A. On, on the final road trip is, you know, it's going to be down to the wire. I can already see Padres Twitter just going off on, and showing standings and updated rankings of you know comparing us to the the Phillies or, or Reds or whoever's you know neck and neck with with draft selections. But you know, ultimately, a higher selection is beneficial for the team. I mean, no one can argue that at this point. Uh, whether it means win or winning or losing, like you say, seventy games. At this point, it's about the future and collecting as many prospects as we can. And, and speaking of which, uh, we have been busy, or the Padres have been busy in the uh, in the, I guess 
the transition the trans transaction market uh hunter renfro was surprisingly demoted a few days ago uh to triple a el paso and everybody's favorite jabari blash was recalled uh i think immediately both you and i were shocked a, a little surprised maybe disappointed but once you kind of delve into his numbers and, and really look at him as a player, it, it, the the I guess the shock kind of wore off. Um, Patrick, give me give me your thoughts. You wrote a you wrote a beautiful piece uh, entailing his his issues and his, his problems. But uh, give me a, a little bit of thoughts on on the Hunter Renfro uh, situation. Yeah, I wanted to maybe clarify my point a bit. I know when it originally happened, I tweeted kind of a sense of surprise. And I wasn't necessarily surprised that he was demoted because obviously he's had a pretty rough stretch and he hasn't really improved. I think I was more surprised that they actually made the move. I didn't really expect them to actually go out and demote him. So I think that was more of a surprise for me than the fact that like me thinking he didn't deserve to be demoted or whatever. I think it was more that just I, I was genuinely surprised that he actually like they actually followed through and demoted him. And even though he was, I guess sort of, I don't want to say heralded as like a top prospect, but he was like, with with Margot and Hedges, he was like one of the guys like, oh, we're going to build around this guy. Like, you know, we have this talent and we're hoping long term he becomes a big part of the process going forward. And so I think it was surprising that they moved him. It was obviously the right move. I mean, he's ticked downward recently. He's had a pretty bad stretch. Um, his strikeout rate has shot up to over 40% for the month. I don't think he's hit a home run in the entirety of August. Um, it's been rough. I mean, I'm not going to split hairs here and say that this was unfair to demote him or he deserves better or whatever. I, I mean, he deserves to, to be demoted. I mean, he hasn't improved. He's struggling. He's not making adjustments. He's okay. continuing to make the same mistakes on off-speed pitches. Um, his August numbers just look absurdly bad. I mean, he's struck out in 34% of the at-bats. Um, his average is 220. His ISO is 40, which is really bad. Um, his WRC plus 53, he's just been pretty, almost unplayable, actually, along with his defense, which hasn't really improved either. He, he just hasn't been, they haven't been able to play him. And I mean, if you yeah. look at his numbers through the season, I mean, let's, let's see, uh, April, he had a 2% walk rate, 27% striker rate, there was a, a big hoopla about, is he good enough? Whatever. Then May, he came out with a 13% walkout rate and he, he, the strikeout rate hung at 27%, but his WRC plus jumped up to 127 from 59 uh, June, his walk rate fell back down to five. His strikeout rate hung around the same spot. His WRC plus fell just below 100. July, he did not walk a single time in 67 plate appearances. He struck wow. out 34% of his at-bats. Uh, he was still oh. a, a positive hitter, slightly above league average. But then August, he's cratered. I mean, his strikeout rate's almost at 35%. Like I said, his WRC plus is down to 53, which is his worst month of the season, even even worse than his first month. Um, the walk rate's a little better, but he's still making the same mistakes. He's swinging at bad pitches. He, yeah. he honestly just looks kind of lost, and I don't think they, – they really couldn't see him getting better at the big level. I mean, you got to look at, like, Franchi Cordero. It's kind of a similar scenario. Like, he came out and performed well, but then he kind of cratered there at the end, and he got to the point where he just wasn't playable any longer. And, and Hunter Renfro's at his – his hard hit percentage is down at the lowest rate it's been all season for August. He's hitting the ball at a soft percentage higher than any other point of the season. So there's really no – redeeming facts here. I mean, he's not hitting the ball hard. He's not hitting for power. He's not walking much. He's striking out too much. A lot of ground balls. Mm -hmm. There's just no real positive signs here that he's getting better. And I, I don't know if sending him to AAA is really going to improve him. I don't know if he can really learn much at AAA at this point. I mean, he's already spent so much time in AAA. 
but I think it could be at least a confidence boost playing against worse pitching. I mean, he's already got three hits today, singled, tripled, doubled. Um, he's having a good night, so maybe it'll spark something in him. Maybe he, it'll light a fire under him. Um, I don't want to talk about his drive or his will to, to be a good player, but, I mean, it just seems like he hasn't made the adjustments that he needs to make to be a major league player, and at this point, sending him down was the right move, I think. Yeah, I think you alluded to it at the end right there. I heard um, Mark Grant kind of uh, speak about the topic and kind of uh, talk about a wake-up call for Renfro. Um, you know, none of us are in the locker room and, and know quite what goes on day to day, but I think that there's probably some, I don't know, I don't want to say motivational factors, but something, I guess a wake-up call is the best way to, to, to deem it, to, to, to categorize it. Um you know, at this point, he looked complacent. He wasn't adjusting, like you say. And you know, his issues are are well known. He, the league is, is is knows how to attack him. The league knows uh, how to approach pitching to him, and it's up to him to make those adjustments. And, and he did that in May, uh, but slowly regressed. Uh, as you you know, you said with the numbers, June was you know getting back down towards normal. July was horrible, and. And August was the same, and he's still young, and you still see some upside in him. But at this point, I have to really question, you know, whether or not he's in the Padres' future. I don't know. A demotion like this is 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 really is really serious when I see something like that, um, because he's obviously proved all he can in AAA, and this isn't about him getting at bats. This isn't about him, you know perfecting his craft or, or what have you it's about him adjusting and listening to the coaching staff and implementing what they want uh him to do and you know i, I guess we'll just have to see what happens I, I would assume that he'll be back in september and uh hopefully he 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 tears the cover off the ball that's uh that's i guess all we can wish for yeah i'm not really sure what he's really going to figure out like playing in triple a but i think this yeah, is more of exactly. just like a I think it's more of just a slap in the face, like a here, here yeah. you go. I mean, it's a wake up call. You have to improve, or you're not going to have a place on the team long term. And I think, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping it, it works out for him because I don't want to, I don't want to wish ill on the guy. I, he's obviously a player I watch on a daily basis, and I want to see him succeed. I want to see him be a part of the team and have a big impact on the team going forward. But at this point, it's just yeah, it's hard to it's hard to squint and see him being a productive member of this team. I mean, the defense is bad. Um, the base running is good. The offense is bad. So I mean, he's been he's batted over 400 times, and he's, his his WAR is at exactly zero. So he's been basically worthless. I mean, in terms of on field value, I mean, you just yeah. sure there's lots of dingers there, and yeah, dingers are great, but it's just so it's so clear how pitchers are facing him. I mean, I'm looking at his, yeah. I'm looking at his, his uh, zone charts right now, and he's seeing 40 percent of balls low and outside of the strike zone, whether inside or outside. And mm-hmm. he's hitting under 200 in both spots, and he's swinging and missing at a lot of those pitches, and it's it's obviously showing. I mean, he's he's seen 27 percent of his pitches outside of the strike zone low in a way, and that's oh. just obscene. That they've pitchers have zoned in on that one spot, and he's uh-huh. just had such trouble with it. And he hasn't been able to shake it. He hasn't been able to lay out those pitches because realistically, if he laid off those pitches, he would get a lot more pitches to hit. He'd be hitting yes. a lot more home runs. Um, he probably would be, be walking getting his more. fastball that he loves to hit. You know, instead of chasing yeah. those breaking stuff it's, off the plate, it's crazy that he's just had such a problem with those pitches low and away, and even low and in. He's just, he's just been such a sucker on those pitches, and it's really 
damaging his long-term prospects. And yeah, he hasn't improved whatsoever. And it's really hard to see a way that he's going to improve unless he can cut out on those pitches. And I, I just don't know if I can see it happening at this point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in this day and age, there's no excuse for, for making adjustments because there's plenty of information available to every and, and any major league player. And, and, you know, it's it's just about gathering that information to make the adjustments. And uh, he clearly has not done that. But, um, you know, let's move to someone who has made the adjustments. And that's 18-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr., who will be the youngest player in the Texas League at the AA level. Uh, pretty remarkable. Uh being that he was acquired for James Shields, uh, I, I hate to. Well, no, I don't hate to bring it to White Sox fans because they have a great farm system. I mean, could you imagine if they had Tatis added to their farm system? It would be they. It'd just be unreal. But uh, Tatis is in Double A. Uh, we're excited for him. Uh, we will see what that means for his future. But uh, give me some thoughts on the promotion of uh, Fernando Tatis, other than the fact that we're not going to get a chance to see him in Lake Elsinore this year which both of us are disappointed about. Yeah, I actually, uh, I heard he was promoted. Like, I heard it mentioned, and I was like, oh, I get to watch him in Lake Elsinore. And I was like, damn it, he's being promoted to double-A <laughs> San Antonio. Um, so, yeah, I was, I don't know if I was more surprised by this than Hunter Renfro being demoted. I, I think it was probably an equal level of surprise with both moves. But, yeah, he's just absolutely tearing the ball apart. I mean, he's got a 154 WRC+. Plus, um so far this year he's gotten better every month i mean his walk rates have improved every month his strikeout rate has been slowly declining every month he's playing great defense he's hitting for power he's showing great base running skills i mean he's just doing everything and i i i think he's capable of making that jump if any player is capable of skipping high a completely which i don't know if he's gonna skip high a completely there's obviously the possibility that he starts there next year still but if he yeah. impresses these last two weeks and into the playoffs with uh san antonio there may be a realistic possibility that he's not going to see Lake Elsinore at all. And, I mean, yeah. look at you look at Luis Arias, who obviously he did go through high A, but he's only 20, and, and Tatis is 18. So it's just unreal that all year we've been talking about how unreal it is that Arias is doing what he's doing as at a, as a 20-year-old, and now you have Tatis, who's going to be an 18-year-old. And it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy that he's made such great progress and he's moving so fast. And I think there's really... I don't see any doubt that this is going to be a, 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 a number one prospect in all of baseball at some point in the future, whether that's next year depends on the guys in front of him, how fast they move. But I think there's really no doubt that he's a top 10 prospect as soon as this off season with how he's performed. And if he can continue that in San Antonio, there's no doubt to me that this is a top 10 prospect. And I was obviously, yeah. a little, I was a little light on him earlier in the year when we were ranked at prospects because he's so young and because he's at such a low level. But like I always say, if, if you can prove yourself a double A, that's really the big jump. Um, yes. Low A and higher are similar in a lot of ways. Double uh, A is a real jump. So if he can if he can show himself a double A to be capable, I mean, the biggest thing for him is, is the sliders. I mean, he's had a tough time with sliders. Uh, pitchers have kind of hit him hit him like low, low in the zone. He's been swinging and missing through a lot of sliders. He's improved that throughout the season, obviously. He's gotten better and better as the year has gone on, but that's going to be a big thing to watch um, when he's in San Antonio because he's going to, for the first time, face some real pitchers. And that's nothing against low-A pitchers. It's just not the same ball game. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he adjusts. And like you said, I'll, I'll definitely be glued to my uh, iPad watching that game tomorrow and for the rest yeah. of the year into the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, how fun is it to, to watch that 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 San Antonio team and and how young they are? I mean, we talk about position players and the the lack of of position players for the Padres, but I mean, there's two 20 year olds and an 18 year old on a team that should be playing every day, and Urias, Naylor, and Tatis, and all three of them have exciting aspects to their game. And then you add in a Quantrill, a Lucchese, a Lucchese, and a Eric Lauer, and it's it's amazing. And then the bullpen on that team is 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 lights out. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the fact that, that, that all these players are already in San Antonio and are performing, you know, in a year from now, I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this team is and where, where these prospects are and how the progression of, of them has, has taken you know, there's Lake Elsinore has some pretty decent players as well. in, in Gettys and, in uh, Austin Allen, who, you know, they're missing out on this this playoff type atmosphere, I guess, that uh, both Fort Wayne and San Antonio are are, are uh, experiencing. So you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm I was I was surprised on Tatis's promotion, but at the same time, I, I can definitely see the, the aspects of having him able to play games. Uh, you know, having him at shortstop behind a Quantrill and a Lauer is is great for the future of, of the Padres for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that the Missions have probably one of the best rotations in all of minor league baseball and mm-hmm. definitely probably one of the best bullpens in all of minor league baseball. And now you add Tatis to Arias in the middle of the field, and it's going to be unreal watching this team in the playoffs. And um, yeah. I, I think that if there's a favorite in the Double the A championship, it's got to be the Missions. And it's going to be fun to watch them in the next few weeks. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Tatis adjusts to the new level and if he can um, keep up the high expectations. Yeah, for sure. No, it's going to be an exciting time for sure. And, and you know, Lake Elsinore could still be in, in the works for him. Uh, the Padres promoted Austin Allen late last season from Fort Wayne to, to AA San Antonio. So they've already shown that they have the propensity to kind of move players around, uh, you know, skipping a level if, if they need be. So there's a chance that he could uh, start the season off in Lake Elsinore next year. So I don't want fans to get discouraged about missing the opportunity to to see him firsthand because you know seeing these players in a minor league setting is is, is definitely different than, than a major league setting and it's more of a it's just neater for the fans to be able to kind of have that close atmosphere with uh, with the ball players um you know it, it's exciting times for Padres fans uh, the prospects in particular are, are uh are just you know they're the hot topics for sure uh Patrick sent out a tweet uh today this morning uh asking for some questions from you the listeners and uh we're gonna go ahead and and go through a couple questions uh from some of the listeners and uh see uh if this is a segment or not we want to continue with our solo shows i don't know we're kind of just playing it by ear patrick right um i'm i'm missing your your uh, analytical uh segment in the show for sure because you were you were educating me Oh, do you want me to throw some more of that in? Yeah, just off the top, off the top of your head, let's let's talk about WRC plus or something. I don't know. Uh, WRC plus, huh? I don't know. I'm just all right. So <laughs> WRC plus is a scale to league average. League average being 100. Uh, yeah. Well, see, I, I think a lot, I, you know, a lot of a lot of you you laugh, but a lot of uh, a lot of listeners don't don't really know that type of stat that it is. A hundred is the average uh, for a major leaguer, if you will, and anything above that is is. Uh, is I mean, when consider Tatis at a 154 WRC plus, so he's basically uh, a player and a half above average, which is I mean, uh, pretty unreal. What is uh, what is who's the highest uh, WRC plus in the majors right now? Uh, Mike Trout's at 200. Wow, so 
he's twice the player than that that uh, that any uh, that an average major leaguer would be, and I think that's a pretty fair well, way to evaluate. Yeah, Mike Trout's a monster. That's not even fair. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean that's a pretty fair way to evaluate. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, overall, be- it's interesting because uh, for WRC plus, every point higher than a hundred or b- lower than a hundred is exactly a percentage point. So if I'm at one hundred fifty, I'm fifty percent better than what is considered league average. And the minor leagues do the same similar calculation. And the cool thing about WRC Plus is it folds everything into one. So it's basically batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, all really rolled into one value. So you kind of don't have to look at seven different numbers to get a real good judge of a player. I mean, exactly. it, it doesn't really specify, obviously. So a guy with a 130 WRC Plus could have a bunch of home runs. And, like, like for example, Luis Arias has a 129 WRC Plus this year with only three home runs. And you could compare him to Austin Allen, who I think Austin Allen's in the 130s, and he's got obviously more home runs. Or you look at Fernando mm-hmm. Tatis, who's at 154, he's got a bunch of home runs. So the home runs obviously help. There, there's going to be a higher number um, with, with similar players. Actually, Allen's at 127, so he's around the same as Tat- or, uh, as Urias without the home runs, or with the home okay. runs, I should say. So, no, that, but I mean, that's great because that's, a, like you say, a, a, uh, I guess a fair way to judge a player's worth. You know, other than looking at home runs and RBIs, the old school caveman stat that everyone would basically use in in the olden days. Yeah, so it's a good way to I think compare players across teams and across leagues. I mean, obviously you can't compare. I guess Allen and Arias is a, bear, a bad comparison because they're in different minor league levels. But I mean, just as a quick and dirty number, I think it's a really good way to see. So if I, I look at Mike Trout, he's at a, a 200 WRC plus, and Hunter Renfro's I think in the 80s. So. Wow. Obviously, Mike Trout's a better player than Hunter Renfro. I mean, there's there's no real doubt there. But yeah. Uh, so speaking of uh, Luis Arias, the last question I was asked, I'm going to go in reverse order here, was um, from Lauren C, who follows me on Twitter. Talk to him here and there. Um, he asked, "Is it time to dial down the Urias love struggling in the second half and only has one good tool? What are your thoughts on that, James? Should we dial back our love of Luis?" Wow. Uh, I don't think you necessarily have to dial back the love on him. And, you know, yes, he probably has a higher hit tool than anything else, but, you know, he's got a decent arm. He's a decent fielder if you get him out of shortstop. Uh, he, he's still 20, and he's been playing above his above his level for a long time. You still look at the walks and the Ks. He's at 61 walks and 53 Ks and 395 at-bats. The bat plays well. He is going to be a, a decent number two hitter eventually, or that's the goal for the Padres uh, with his bat control. Um, you know, he, he's not a, a kind of guy that's going to steal a lot of bases for you. The power is obviously lacking. Um, I think everyone's hoping that that develops. He's still only 5'9" and weighs 160 pounds, so you can't really expect too much from him as far as power is concerned. But the bat is solid, and to answer your question, I don't think it's time to dial deck the, the expectations of him. I think that everyone got a little overexcited on him, but I think ultimately he's going to be a decent major league player and, and you know has the ability to take his game to the next level. And At 20 years old, it's it's way too early to write off this young man. Um, yeah, I tend to agree. I think it actually is time to dial back a little bit, but that's simply because I think expectations were too high, so we need to exactly. dial us back, just be more realistic. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. This guy isn't going to be a... I mean, I don't think he's going to be a perennial all-star. He's not going to be an MVP caliber player, but I think if he can continue with the hit tool and show he's can hit at that level over 300 consistently, he's going to be a top-of-the-order bat on a good team. He's going to be a, 
a multiple win player. He's going to be an above average player. I don't know if he's going to be quite all star caliber player on, on a yearly base. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll make all star teams. Um, I guess I shouldn't say I'm sure he'll make all star teams because who really <laughs> knows. But yeah. um, I, I think his floor is a major league player. I don't. I don't really see him flaming out and not becoming a player. I mean, he's 20 years old and he's. I mean, sure, he's cooled off in the second half, but he's still above. He's still at 129 WRC plus. He's still facing pitchers several years older than him, so I, I'm not really worried about him. Um, I think in AAA, I'm hoping AAA kind of turns the power up a little bit because that's an easier place to hit, but it, it really depends on um, how he develops and how he... I mean, he's still growing, obviously. He could put on some more size and become more of a sizable hitter. I mean, there, there's been there's been plenty of guys that have unlocked power later in their careers, even once they get to the big leagues and they're in the big leagues for several years, so I'm not going to write him off completely yep. in terms of power, but even without power, I think he could still be a, a pretty solid player. No, he's um, definitely a, an excellent prospect, and you know, you, you said it brilliantly. It's time to dial back uh, the expectations, just because we had it a little too high, I think, uh, initially after last season. But I'm still excited to see the young man play. Yeah, I had him as my number one prospect, but uh, considering him and Tatis are now on the same level, I think I think Tatis can take that spot for me. <laughs> uh, moving on, we got a question from Matt Winnett. Uh, he's a writer for us uh, at EVT. Uh, he said, whose performance so far this season has impressed you the most and whose performance, other than Myers, he had to clarify just for me, wow, uh, has nice. disappointed you the most? So what about you, James? Let's start with who's impressed you the most, then I'll give you mine, and then we'll, we'll bounce to uh, who's d- disappointed the most. Um, I would probably say Denilson Lament has impressed me the most. Um, I, you know, I, you and I went, I think we were the first uh, to kind of comment uh, that when he started the season that we didn't think he would be able to put up the numbers that he has and I'm more than willing to admit I was wrong he's been very impressive although he's only pitching with two pitches he's you know the game on Sunday was a little bit of a hiccup we saw what he's capable of as far as getting wild but the young man seems to get it and he's really looking at him I see the focus in him I see him taking uh, what Hector Sanchez tells him and, and tries to teach him, and I see him applying that. And, and that's that's something that, that he needs to do, and that's something that, that is, is pretty awesome for a young player. Uh, as far as disappointing, I, I would probably have to put Renfro on the top of the list. Um, I, I didn't necessarily think he was going to be a perennial-type all-star coming into the season, even based upon his, his hot uh, September last year. But I expected a little more from him. I expected defensively for him to be at least average. And at this point, I've seen some horrible routes from him and horrible angles on the ball. I mean, yes, he has a rifle for an arm, but I've seen him misuse that as well. And you know, I'm a little troubled on his future as a Padre, to be honest. Yeah, I tend to agree on both those answers, but I'm going to go a different way just to keep the conversation flowing. Okay. Um, for most impressive to me, I like the idea of Lamette. I mean, him and Sanchez have really established a really good relationship, and he's obviously pitching better with San- with Sanchez in there. So um, I-, I like that dynamic they've got going. For me, the most impressive has been Carlos Osuaje. I mean, this is a guy yeah, who last year, it looked like he pretty obviously wasn't going to be a major league player, at least not um, a guy that gets a lot of playing time. But at this point, he's put together a pretty solid year. I mean, he's playing good defense. I mean, the offense has been about league average, but I mean, you don't really expect, I think, anything more than league average from him, but he's just been, he always puts up such good at-bats. I mean, he's not a guy that gives away at-bats. He's always battling. Um, 
He makes good contact. He just does everything that you want a player to do. And he's not going to be an everyday player to me, but I think a utility player like that is a really good guy to have on the team. I mean, there's been plenty of utility-type players that have been on par championship teams. I think he's a guy that could be just that. And he's really impressed me with the plate discipline and just putting up good at-bats uh, day in and day out. Um, as for disappointing, obviously Renfro's an easy answer. I think... Um, Will Myers would probably be my answer if I was allowed to say Will Myers, <laughs> but I alas cannot say Will Myers. Um, oh, this is rough. Um, <laughs> it's hard to be disappointed when there's just so many guys I didn't expect much from. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like, who did I really expect anything from at this point? Um, I guess the only real thing I can say is Alan Cordoba. I mean, he had such a good start to the year, and he's just so awful and I mean yeah. I guess it should be expected when he's jumping from rookie ball to the big leagues uh-huh. but he's just been so disappointing since that hot start and he's not even playing at this anymore he's just there taking mm-hmm. up a roster spot because he has to um, and that's nothing against him I know it's a tough situation with what he's been thrown into so I don't really expect him to be doing much better but it's, it's still a disappointment to see him kind of fall off so hard after a pretty solid start to the year um, he's batted what I think, maybe ten times in the last like yeah. three weeks. I want to say, um, but yeah, he's long term. I still think he could be a player. I, I like him as a player. I think he could be a, a good, a good uh, future big leaguer. Uh, it's just going to be a, a couple years of development that I think he needs to undergo, and he'll probably start next year, maybe in uh, high A or double A, depending on where Tatis is and and if they want to actually stick him at shortstop. I know they've been a little wary of sticking him at shortstop this year. He's played a lot of left field. Um, but yeah, he's been a disappointment to me. But I think that's, I think it's fair that he's been a disappointment. I mean, it's to be expected. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a young kid, so you know, it is what it is. You know. All right, moving on from there, we got Campbell, another writer from our site at Cam Doyen. Do you think Tatis Jr. will ever be a Lake Elsinore Storm? Do you think if if he performs well enough, maybe he stays there next year? I think by he stays there next year, I'm assuming he means San Antonio. Um, so what are yeah. your thoughts on that? Do you? I guess what would you put the odds at right now that he plays uh, in Lake Elsinore? Hmm. Um, I would have to go 50-50 at this point. Uh, I think that if he shows that he can handle himself at, at the AA and, and still continually walk, which is probably going to be the most important thing they, they look at, uh, you know, the strikeouts are going to be there. He's probably going to have a, a tick increase in his strikeout percentage, obviously, pitching or playing against higher uh, developed pitchers. But if he's able to walk and, and produce and, and play defense for these couple weeks and into the playoffs, then, and then there's a good chance he could start in, in AA next season. But at the same degree, it depends on where the players are ahead of him uh, when it comes to 2018 spring training and, and where everyone fits and, you know, 50-50 is, is going to probably be my, my best guess. And I don't think we're going to get an answer to that well into well into March of next season. Yeah, I would put it at 50-50 because we haven't seen him play in AA. We don't know what he's about. We don't know what he has. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say he never plays in Lake Elsinore just because that would be great. That, that means he excelled at AA and he can face that kind of pitching. I, just, I don't know if that's realistic. I think there's still a possibility that he could end up uh, starting next year at Lake Elsinore. So yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at 50-50 for now. We'll see how he performs in the next few weeks. Uh, moving on from there, kind of an attachment question on that one, from also from Campbell. He said, what do you think the plan is for Javier Guerra now that Tatis is in San Antonio? 
So what do you think about Guerra? Um, I, I believe he left the game injured. I think it was Friday night. Yeah. So I'm assuming he was injured. Yeah, he fouled the ball off his leg, I believe, and it's been nicked up for a couple games. That is, but what do you think? Where do you think his place is with the team at this point? Uh, at this point, I think Javier Guerra is uh, a fill-in at this point. Um, you know, where's Cordova going to be next year? Where's Tatis going to be next year? Where's uh, Jose Rondon going to be next year? And then, you know, they'll just kind of put him wherever he needs to be. He's still young. The power's there, the the defensive prowess is there, but the, the strikeout rate and, and just, he just I, I don't know, he just kind of just, he's just kind of going through the motions, and I think a lot of a lot of people are feeling that way about him. I, I really don't have any opinion on him at this point right now, but at the same time, I, I'm not willing to write him off because. He can get extra motivated from from I, I don't know out of nowhere. You know, it, sometimes players it just takes something for them to click and for them to finally realize their ability and, and their potential, and, and most importantly, what what they can and cannot do on the field, and, and they kind of work their way around that. And he's still a young guy, is still a young man. Left-handed shortstops are, are pretty valuable. So at this point, I don't think the Padres have any any plans for him and they're just going to kind of let him do his thing and, and hopefully he progresses into being a, a relevant prospect again yeah i mean i've already written him off basically i mean in in, mm-hmm. in terms of just i don't expect anything from him i mean yeah exactly. I, I think he's just a prime example that goes to show that not every prospect works out and it's not always based on what's on the field i mean with him i think it's a lot of mental stuff and just adjusting to being a baseball player and he just hasn't really done it so far i mean since he was traded from boston to san diego he just hasn't really clicked at any point i mean he's had his share of good outing or outings good games but he just hasn't really put it together and i think yeah at this point he's not really in the team's plans i mean if he surprises and starts performing well that'd be great but i don't think anyone's expecting that he's just kind of there at this point i don't know what the plans are for him i think maybe he gets sent back down to lake elsinore maybe he rides the bench while tatis plays i don't really know but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. All yeah. right, last yeah. question we have from Jose the Great 93 He's at Curry's Jose on Twitter. He says, how will Spangy, Perella, Urias, Salarte, Aswahe fit into next year's plan? <laughs> and also, what steroids is Spangy taking? I'll ignore the second question, but let's go with that yeah. first one. So how are the Padres going to fit this uh, second and third base logjam here going forward? Uh, a dartboard? I, I don't know. I, who... who... Can they trade and, and whoever's left over will will make up the roster for next season? I, I I really don't know. There's there's options, but you know we've been through it over and over on this podcast. They have about fifty different second basemen in, in both the major leagues and minor leagues. So I, you know I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see. There's there's really no answer at, at this point. I don't think anyone's safe. Uh, other than Spangenberg, I've I've heard a lot of positive things from the coaching staff and from the franchise themselves that they're happy with him. He's a number former number one pick. I think ultimately out of all of those players, he's the probably the safest to remain on the team. But with that being said, he could be traded tomorrow. Yeah. My thought is just trade Perello since his value is high uh, trade Salarte because I don't really think Salarte is going to be on the next good team and just let Spangy ride out third. Let a ride out second. 
Uh, Arias, mm-hmm. I don't think is going to be ready next year. Maybe at the end of next year. I, I just, I just think you let those two guys ride out and see. We have uh, Perella and uh, Slarte, obviously the older of the the group. So I would just mm-hmm. see what you can get for them this offseason if you can get something. And realistically, Perella, realistically, I mean Perella can still play outfield, which he's been doing most of the year anyway. So that's also yeah. a possibility. But I think Slarte is a guy that probably should be traded. And I hate to say that because he's one of my favorite players, but he just doesn't really have, I think, a lot of value on the field for the Padres going forward. Yeah, and, and being thirty, he's just he's going to be on the cusp of of being able to be productive in, in their window of of, of winning, and, and he still has value. And, and I think you're you're probably correct in in assuming that he will be the name that they shop around at at this point. Uh, Perel is interesting. Um, I wonder if he's going to pass waivers or, or clear waivers, and if they'll try to deal him. Now, since they're featuring him as a number three hitter, um, I heard Dusty Baker uh, from the Nationals, this homestand, really rave about him uh, in particular. Uh, he could have some value on, on a playoff-type team, although he, obviously he, being in August, he wouldn't be uh, eligible for the playoffs. But, um, you know, I wonder if the Padres will pull the trigger on Perella or if they will wait and try to maximize the value in the offseason. Um. Yeah, I don't know if he actually would clear waivers. I mean, I think he's got enough value that someone would claim him along the way. But um, to clarify, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think as long as the player's on the roster by September 1st, he can be as eligible for the playoff roster. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. Well, there you go. So that's even more reason to, I mean, with the versatility that he's shown, I mean, obviously not being able to play defensively well, but being able to play left and third and short, I mean, at second and first. uh, And, I mean, the kid is just killing the ball right now. And and he has that look about him that he is not going to get, he's not going to make himself, he's not going to get himself out. I wish we could transform that look that Perella has and put it into Will Myers' eyes because I just I see the exact opposite from Will Myers at this point. You know, I was thinking about this with with Hunter Renfro being demoted. Why not just do the same to Will Myers? I mean, wow. Uh, obviously, the, the big contract is a is a, maybe a detriment to that. I mean, he he isn't being paid big yet, but maybe it does something for him. He he's I think even worse than Hunter Renfro. He he to me seems like he just doesn't care. He's not interested. Yeah, he's just kind of there, running to the motions. And I'm not I, trying. To, I'm not trying I, to be a jerk. I just this is what I've no, seen. I, the emotion no, says a lot. Body language says a lot. Well, to me, I see Myers and I see him pressing too much. I see him possibly taking too much batting practice, uh, over-evaluating his swing, overthinking his swing. You know, I, I see him taking pitches right down the middle and kind of just walking away like, God, what was I thinking? And Renfro was the exact opposite. He's just up there, kill, 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 kill the ball, kill the ball, kill the ball, and swinging at everything and just not – didn't seem like he was making it. I mean, I, I don't know. Neither one of us are in the locker room. Neither one of us are part of the Padres uh, staff, so we don't know what these guys go through on a daily basis or see them on a daily basis. But I, I don't know. It, obviously, he expects more for out of himself, and I'm sure that Will Myers is not happy with his season. Um, I mean, I think body language is really important, and neither guy's really showing great body language and no i, know that's I, really I, I do agree with you on a baseball that. field but it really does mean a lot i think a lot of the re- the rave reviews you've heard of fernando tatis is that he's always laughing he's always yes. next to his teammates talking he's always in the game even when he's not playing i mean he's always engaged and i think that's something i just don't see with myers or Renfro. they just don't seem interested they just seem like they're just kind of there going to the motions 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know any of them personally. I don't want to talk about anything personal with them. I'm just going off of what I've seen on the field. And neither guy seems interested to me. And maybe being being demoted is going to help Renfro, and maybe the same could help Myers. I don't know. I don't think they're going to demote wow. him. I don't think they would ever demote him. But <laughs> yeah. it's a, I, I just think it's something that maybe they should consider. I don't know. Maybe I'm going too yeah. far. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to have to drop the microphone on the podcast now and just walk away. So uh, we are East Coast Times. <laughs> This may, this may or may not be our final podcast, but yeah. if it was, it's been real. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we all want better. We all want what's best for the team and for him to produce, and I, 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 I don't think that that is an option. I don't, you know, I know you're just saying it to kind of motivate him and kind of to light a like fire causing controversy, him. okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we suddenly turned into the Howard Stern podcast. Or, I'm down. Um, okay, folks. Well, uh, you know we can't we can't fix all the the Padres problems, or else you know we we drive ourselves crazy because there's a long list of of, of issues. But uh, the most exciting thing is the team is progressing. The minor leagues team, the minor league system is progressing. Fernando Tatis will be in Double A tomorrow with the missions. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be excited to see that. Uh, the missions are a playoff team. Uh, you know, we didn't really hit on that, but I think that it's it's going to be excellent for that team to kind of experience that playoff type atmosphere together. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for this young team, and I think the Padres are doing it right. Uh, they're pushing these guys, but they're not, you know, they're not pushing them too hard. Uh, Quantrill and Lauer have both struggled slightly in Double A, but they've both uh, also made the adjustments and turned the corner. And you know, I expect Atis to struggle as well. But uh, it's about adjustments, and he's already shown the, the moxie to be able to do that. I mean, the, the kids, uh, he's a baller, and um, we're, uh, we're very excited to see this young man play. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him tomorrow. If, if you guys don't already have ML, MILB TV, now's the time to get it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, folks, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Patrick, you want to take us out? Yeah, we're hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher. Um, I personally use Podcast Republic. Great app. Um, really recommend for anyone looking for a, a good podcast app out there. Um, yeah, so we're hosted on all those. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Um, we're on Twitter. Our our podcast is EBT Podcast on Twitter. James is EBT underscore news. Uh, EBT underscore J Clark. I'm Patrick Brew 93. And this is the East Village Times Podcast. Thank you, folks, uh, for joining us. East Village Times Podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.